This week's episode of the Star Wars Report is brought to you by the good folks supporting us over on patreon.com slash Report. Let's do the show, folks. Come, come, come. And who might you be? It's the Star Wars Report. Star Wars Report. Woo! Star Wars Report. The place for Star Wars news, features, interviews, and more. Then we can do something epic. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Please delete as appropriate. The Force. It's calling to you. Just let it in. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Star Wars Report podcast. I'm your host, Riley Blanton. So glad you've joined us. Once again, for episode 427 of the Star Wars Report, boy howdy. Uh, seems like a lot's going on considering the whole world's on lockdown. Ain't that right, Mr. Mark Herleman? <laughs> oh, yeah. Quarantine central up in here. <laughs> mm. Up in here. Up in here. No, man. It, it's crazy times. And welcome back to the show, man. It's good to talk to you. Oh, it's good to be back. It's been too long, man. Too indeed. Long. <laughs> indeed. We were just literally, before the show started... Um, uh, we were uh, doing our little Patreon exclusive Rogue transmissions, kind of catching up on on life and how freaking close you live to Return of the Jedi filming locations, and how I never really put the two and two together until recently. <laughs> um, right? It's just one little trip. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like, listen, ladies and gentlemen, Mar- Mark literally lives one hour and forty five minutes from the indoor bunkers, or at least whatever dusty remains, you know, are still there. Uh, but yeah, we've right. got a lot to talk about uh, in the show, so let's not uh, let's not dilly dally around. Um, let's kick off with the news. We have something to report. Delta have the news. Data brought to us by the Botham spies. We can send a clear transmission. There it is. Listen, listen. All right, uh, call this the 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 COVID update. It seems like everything in life is now defined by this horrific international pandemic that is now um and we talked about this on the show last week we're not gonna but th- here's the difference we're talking about star wars but even the world of star wars and my fandom of star wars has been defined in this isolation that uh, the social isolation that uh, many of us have been mm-hmm. experiencing so i kind of wanted to we have two buckets of news that we're going to talk about for the show today one kind of round up our experiences and uh, some of the events um that COVID-19 has affected both for us as fans and the Star Wars uh, saga, including the Mandalorian production. Uh, number two, we're going to get a little bit more detailed. Mark, since you're the, since you're on, you're the guy to help uh, break mm. down and talk a little bit about what we can expect and why maybe we should be excited about this whole High Republic initiative. So that's going to be Ooh, what we're doing yeah, for the show today. Yeah. I'm excited to talk about it, but let's let's dive right, right in. So we're all stuck in our houses, basically, right now, more or less, um, except for those of you guys, essential workers, including you, Mark Hurlman, working in the service industry. <laughs> it is, a, I mean, it's a crazy time. And we talked about it a little bit last week, but it's it might i'm sort of like our work since i'm you know active duty military it turns out they consider us essential so i'm still working but that even we have completely changed up how we do shifts and reducing the amount of interaction that happens it's given me increased time uh frankly a lot of increased time to just sort of be at home and it's i kind of this is where we find out the true introverts of the world because i kind of there are parts of it that i just love 
Has the the change in uh, social pattern uh, meant given you more time to explore any uh, Star Wars stories? Not as much as I you would think. I mean, well, I mean that's kind of a loaded question, and my answer's loaded. Let's say. Yeah. Um, I've had more time to do work in my garage. You know, I've, I've, I've gotten the studio nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had more time to watch more TV shows. So uh, I've caught up on a lot of Star Trek. I, I, I'll be honest. Uh, Discovery is my new favorite passion. That show is dang near awesome. Um, so I caught up on a lot of that. So I had time to be reading. I should have been reading. Um, I started reading, uh, you know, the Rise of Skywalker novelization, which is pretty dang good. It does fill in a lot of gaps. Uh, mm-hmm. But I got I kind of about midway into it and, you know, all this stuff happened and, you know, I just, I haven't had a chance to really get back into the book. I've been more into quick binging and because what I find is when I'm reading my brain tends to, I drift off a lot when I'm reading. I like, I start to think about other things like something in the book will get me onto something and next thing you know i've read a whole chapter and i haven't really paid attention i gotta go back mm. whereas like when i'm watching tv and stuff like it's, it's a little more mindless i just see what's coming and and i just kind of process that as i go so i've been watching a lot of the clone wars again getting ready for scene seven catching up on season seven uh and then i've been trying to catch up and get ahead on resistance i'm almost through season one <laughs> that nice. show you and bruce both for me to watch man i cannot get into it yeah, Bruce has been getting into it. He was actually kind of uh, talking it up the other day, and I was kind—I was—I'm not gonna lie—I was poking fun of him a little bit for it. I—I I, you know what? I, I popped it back on because Bruce was saying like second second season it gets a lot better, and I'm just like that—that's I'm I'm pushing for that now. Mm. And I was listening to Bruce on that too when he was saying that. Just, yeah, so I'm like yeah, I, I'm almost to that point where I'm like okay, is it gonna get good now? Because I keep thinking about the premise of where it's at and everything, and I'm like you know it had such opportunity. <laughs> But they just didn't really kind of latch on and really give it that push that it needed to have, man. But yeah, I've I've had the time. I just I don't think I've been using it as as I don't know creatively as other people have been. I've been seeing a lot of really creative stuff, man. People are getting artsy fartsy and creating videos and TikToks, <laughs> painting. Oh man, yeah. I'm just like, what's wrong with me? No, I've been listening to TikTok. It's it's a problem. I've I downloaded that app and <laughs> I can't stop. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've been. Uh, I, I don't have a. Down- kids send me videos they're like yeah watch this one and i'm like i watch it and it gets yeah. over and it starts to show me another one and it, it starts to get interesting and it's like download for more and i'm like no i won't do it <laughs> yeah well i've been um like over here uh, uh with my extra time i um started playing i uh, started playing battlefront 2 again a lot of the clone wars era stuff because i really like uh that so i've uh, that's been a lot of fun it's also really great i there's just something magical about the battlefront ability to sit down and play around for 15 minutes you know, 20, 30 minutes and then be done just a quick round. And you're not like in the middle of a, a long story. And I ca- call it a short attention span or what have you. I, I really love that. Just jumping into the star Wars universe for a little bit. So I've been back at battlefront too. Uh, what I haven't been back at is I, for the second time popped in fallen order and tried to continue. And I'd gotten stuck last time and, and retried because of the, uh, the game mechanics. Um, essentially, I got stuck and I literally couldn't get past the level. So I did. I literally went to the Google, to the internet, and I was like, "Why can't I figure out how to get past this slide mechanism?" It's literally just going through. There. I was like, "I want. I don't play these games for challenging gameplay. I play them for the story and for fun. Like that's. I love right. that. I. I am a popcorn consumer when it comes to video games. I just want something, you know." 
tasty and sweet and easy to consume. And right. so that's not afraid to spam that button if it gets you to the next part. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So when I I fired it up for the task, I was like, why? I'm such an idiot. I, I'm I'm not 70 years old. I can figure out how to play a stupid video game. <laughs> so I sat down and I go and I did. I googled and I somebody I found liter- a forum thread that talked about the same type of problem, and it became like the game mechanics. You have to go through and unlock certain skills as you go through the game, but they don't necessarily happen as automatically as other games. You have to, if you get to a point where you need a certain skill, like in my case, a double jump, you have to go through and uh, essentially enable it. So I probably sound like a game. If you're a big gamer, you're probably, you would have every right to be making fun of me. But as a person who wants the story and a linear storytelling experience that's accessible in a game, I just have mm-hmm. to, it was a total turnoff. I was like, why would I, why would I, leave this level, go back and figure out how to get this specific type of skill in a puzzle. Why would I be trying to solve this puzzle piece that will take more? You know, a puzzle is a fun game that's a part of a mechanic that lasts a few minutes and doesn't disrupt the Mm -hmm. story, the flow of the story. That's fine. That Force Unleashed did that, had puzzles and stuff like that. But they were very, the gameplay was very manageable. So it literally, it was, I'm disappointed to report that it, it turned. I once again got turned off, and I think what I'm going to do one of these nights <laughs> is finally give up and go to the YouTube cinematics and watch the story that way. Because here's a great story, and I'm intrigued, and I love the design, and I love the characters. But it's just as far as a gameplay design from this, you know, granted non-gamer review. That's it. Just became un- unacceptable, uh, unaccessible to a a you know, viewer like me. So there you go. That's what See, I've been the, doing. The price is almost accessible. I I've saw it for. Forty uh, was thirty nine ninety nine, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, I almost did it." It was the deluxe edition. I'm like, "I'm waiting. I'm waiting for nineteen. I'm cheap." <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the thing is like Steam and a lot of these a lot of these game sites have are running some pretty great uh pretty great deals. So there's that. Um, the other thing I've been doing is um building up the studio here, which is cool because I know you've been working in your garage, so that's it's coming along here. I'm mostly set up. It's looking pretty good. Um, I need a name for it though. <laughs> so uh, she, uh, I think sanctuary, but but that might be too too no. Yeah, no, you're too new married. You can't use that though. That would sound like hiding. <laughs> it's got to be something manly, but not too manly. I don't know sanctuary. And, I don't, and nothing like that's the too sanctuary much like a moon of, of manditude. I like I like Return of the Jedi themed thing, like a sanctuary or a bunker, the indoor bunker, you know, like I like the sanctuary moon, something like that. It would be cool. If you think of something, um, I'm, I'm open to suggestions for the, the brand new Star Wars report, South Carolina, uh, studio. So that'd be kind of cool. Um, one thing though, yeah. The other question that this whole situation means in terms of Star Wars is the pandemic and celebration so it's mm-hmm. it's not looking great um canceled, man. literally today uh the california governor uh well here's the headline from the hill yeah that's right we're reading an article from the hill on the star wars report <laughs> an entirely political uh newspaper but it's we're reading out because it impacts us and so the california dis- uh, governor dismisses sporting events mass gatherings as unlikely um, without va- vaccines. So he said the prospect of mass, this is Governor Gaz- Gavin Newsom of California, the prospect of mass gatherings is negligible at best until we get uh, to herd immunity and we get a vaccine. 
Large scale events that bring in hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands are not in the cards based upon our current guidelines and current expectations. He then speci- he, he continued specifying that large crowd gatherings in June, July, and August are, quote, unlikely. And so, yes, celebration is at the tail oh, end yeah. of that, uh, tail end of that, end of August, but based on that it's i would it means i think star wars celebration is iffy at best um we were talking about oh, this dude no I, mm-hmm. I, when we when we were talking about this i didn't catch that first line mm. right the prospect of mass gatherings is negligible at best until we get to mm. herd immunity and we get to a vaccine both of which could never happen or at least like I mean, the timelines they, I hear, like we, a year. We could dodge that and, and and have it be something that we don't get to that point, or we don't get a vaccine, or I mean, you know, swine flu is still going around with the regular flu. It didn't go away. We just, you know, the majority of the population has gotten it. But I, I wow, man, that mm. could really put us out a whole. That could put us out a year and a half if that's what they're looking for. That's something you could make an argument to keep things shut down for a very long time. Yeah. Well, and and that's basically the argument he's making. Um in the state of I mean and it, understandably so. I'm not pushing back on 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 safe. safety needs to be right. um the the priority here, but I think you you pair that with and we were talking about this in our um Patreon chat, uh which you which when you join Patreon, you can uh jump in with uh at any level and and so we like to we uh, you know carry on these convers these kinds of conversations are ongoing and uh who was it I, I I think Rob Wallace, yeah, Rob uh, had had a great point in the chat of, uh, let's see, hopefully they allow t- uh, tickets to carry over, but over if it's rescheduled, but Book Expo is just refunding. So Rob was pointing out that Reed Pop's other convention in July, Book Expo, they've just canceled and they're refunding all the tickets. So the question is, if Star Wars Celebration is canceled, will they just literally cancel it and refund the tickets? Or with an event that size, considerably bigger than Book Expo, are they going to try to postpone it, keep the pile of cash that they have from the sales of all those tickets, and apply that at a later date? Um, because refunding that many tickets, listen, I guarantee you they've spent a lot of money on on prep, marketing, contracts, and stuff already. So I bet a lot of that money they don't right. currently have to, well, to I mean, issue refunds. On a small scale, like you know, all of our scouting events have been canceled, and we're still planning every one of them. You know, we're we're like it's going to happen until it doesn't. We you know, we know it's not going to happen, but we're still planning on them. So I would think that in that regard, they're probably going to do something similar, that they won't make an official cancellation until it's like the writing on the wall. Everybody knows like it's coming kind of thing. Because I, I there's a part of me that's like, okay, if the national parks are talking about being shut down till September 30th, <laughs> the, the odds aren't good for a lot of things right now that that's how far out they're willing to take it. So hmm. I mean, you, I, I think that there's the other side of that is like you don't want to get the mass hysteria freaking out and getting all too depressed and stuff. <laughs> so you do well, want to give him that that ray of light, Trump saying that yeah. we were going to be back by the, by Easter. You know, I mean, he didn't really think it was going to happen, but he was you know light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> optimum, I can understand that. Well, uh, but so I I would see them playing it tight. Like maybe July they'll start to tell us. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's fair. I, I think we'll we'll know better in the in the coming few weeks. But I ex- I fully expect that announcement of cancellation or postponement to come in the next few weeks, which is just tragic because I couldn't go to the last one because I wasn't able to take leave based on my training status, um, active duty, and then um, right. I I'm at a unit now where I could take leave and I've uh, you know already listen I'm somebody I've already um, booked my flight way out ahead of time just you know. 
expecting so to if go. So carry over. Do you think that that would handle well with the, if they waited to delay it? Like, oh, you know, if they if they did wait till July for an event happening in August, and so, but don't worry, we're going to do the carryover. I mean, you think that that would be a better way than saying they're going to do it and doing it right away? Yeah, I. <laughs> I think the best option, honestly, if you're asking me, Mark, is is the bet is is for the fan, and as for all of these people who've sold out all their tickets, let them know in advance, put in a solid plan to postpone it a full year, where you know you'll have a you know a maximum reasonable amount of time to do it again, same location, and make sure everybody's able to transfer their hotels that they booked and flights that they booked. So, I, I mean, that's that seems to be the reasonable thing to do because I think if you try to do it this year, like if I were just trying to make the decision, you don't want to run that risk. You don't want to be New Orleans during Mardi Gras, which is why there's a huge outbreak there. It's just really sucky timing because of right. Mardi Gras. So, like, you don't, want to, you don't want that to be the story. Right. Um, and, and that's well, just the sad and reality. And of it. You don't want to be, you know, change location and then have to deal with all the hotels and stuff because there was that yes. thought too was like well what if you change venues and went bigger because it did sell out yeah. and so if you're you know pushing it out into next year then the people that were like oh man i didn't get to go to this year's because it sold out oh well i'll just go to next year's mm. no you don't because that one already sold out because that's this year's <laughs> well <laughs> like, and I mean, that's a that's a, you're right there's some things that are just brutal man <laughs> well and i guarantee you man the the attendance of the next celebration whether it's this year next year years down the line if it's any time in the next two or three years the attendance could be way down just because conventions cruises right <laughs> these things are these things are going to be take a huge hit as industries after all this so that's just you know part of the nature everyone's i mean it's everyone's downsizing this is a the the economic ramifications hit star wars like the disney as a company um lucasfilm as a company the comics industry as a company the conventions the it will be a a leaner uh, smaller uh, market because that that's what happens um, in an economic recession, uh, which is what this is likely to turn into. So it'll be really, it will be interesting. I, in some ways though, like you look um, uh, throughout Lucasfilm and Disney's history, when these companies take bad hits financially, um, like Disney did in the eighties, like they, they had a series of very poor financial decisions and the parks weren't doing well. And the movie studios weren't doing well. Um, and, coming out of that that friction that was created is what gave way to some of the best creative work so maybe on the far side of this we get a leaner but maybe better told star wars storytelling and and who knows maybe the beginning of that is this whole uh, high republic thing like um and, and i know mm-hmm. i te- teased that at the beginning of the episode but um we haven't really talked to you about it mark what is your what, what do you think people might be missing about the High Republic, especially if you're someone who's come into Star Wars fandom in the Disney era, and you don't really have the exposure to or the knowledge of looking at the old expanded universe and the interconnected stories with like the Yusung Vong arcs and, you know, the fate of, uh, whether it's Fate of the Jedi or, you know, Legacy of the Force, these ongoing series that are interconnected, this seem, they're, they're doing that, they're bringing that back and taking it to the next level, essentially, is what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was the first thing that immediately rose to my mind when they started talking about Project Luminous and they had mentioned, you know, it's going to become the High Republic and they had all these different, you know, writers getting together and I was like, whoa, wait, what? 
like you having all the writers come together. And there was a great article that uh, Dan Dan Brooks did on StarWars.com. And they were talking about some of the things. And one of the questions was like, how did this come to be? And uh, Lucasfilm publishing creative director, Michael Siglin, he had stated then uh, that this started way back when this was an idea that I always wanted to do with Star Wars publishing in that I wanted to tell a massive story told across multiple formats over multiple years for every type of fan. So if you're only reading a Del Rey novel or you're only reading a Marvel comic, you're only getting one piece of the story. But if you're a core fan and you're reading a Del Rey novel and a YA novel and a Marvel comic, you're getting a much bigger part of the story. You're getting the whole picture. It's not as if it's one story aged down or depending upon the format. It's not where there's one A story. Every one of these stories is the A story, and they combine together into a massive, massive story. Um, you know, and, I, and I'm quick to talk about the New Jedi Order as one of these. Mm-hmm. And ironically, New Jedi Order evolved into what this is. It wasn't originally thought out to be that way. It was a book series, yes. But later they went back and they, they gave us the comic series Invasion that kind of tied into it. There were other uh, comics that would tie into it and stuff. But that wasn't it wasn't originally planned to be a comic as well as book. It was just a book series. Uh, but they did the same thing where they brought in all these writers and these writers, when they were writing their stories, they were reaching back to the older books that well, came out before it and were bringing them in, kind of like what Ray Sloan did with her uh, with her book, uh, the way she was able to do that. Well, and walk, Mark, walk me through the um, and 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 our listeners, of course, through the difference that you're that you see um, with this High Republic initiative and what Disney Publishing has done so far, because I see all these similarities to the old expanded universe, but I think um, for a good number of people listening that that isn't familiar that you don't have that point of reference that new jedi order because uh, it's been since the early 2000s 90s that the series came out so the idea of what that internet interconnected story looks like like yet yeah, that a lot of people say well everything so far in disney publishing has been published as canon but there's a difference between that and what this high republic i think is attempting right if one of the biggest criticisms of the new disney canon and stuff is that most of the stories don't matter. And he's mm. saying, you know, he wants to make a massive story where the stakes are big. Uh, you know, they talk about the uh, soul. Charles Saul is actually writing a book. He's normally known for some of the best Star Wars Marvel comics out there right now. Uh, he's kicking off a book that's going to have this initiative that something's going to happen and it's going to change things on a large scale. And I think that that's going to be something that fans like me that that loved the legend story for those being bombastic tales, that's what the new canon are the ones that have filled in those gaps and have connected to, to new things and other things. Um, you know, uh, what's the name of that one? Uh, my bookshelf is behind me now and I can't look at it. <laughs> Rebel For Rising, and maybe? It's basically everything that happens from... Yes, Rebel Rising. Uh, it's it's everything that happens from when Sagara is like, come with me, child. And then her waking up in the prison cell. And, and it just fills it all in. And I mean, that's what the books have always been good at. But the problem has been is that you've had all these great opportunities because it's all canon to tell these stories that are, are interconnected and they haven't always taken advantage of it. Now, this is great because they are definitely taking advantage of it and they're planning on doing it across all the formats, which is great. And it's not something like a lot of Marvel comics do where like if you're not reading every single one of the story you're going to miss something major. That definitely doesn't sound like that's what's happening here. It's just that you're going to be missing out on part of it, but it's not going to be something that you need necessarily. It's just something that's going to continue to expand everything. Uh, But we finally got some introduction to some of the characters and stuff recently, which I thought was really cool. 
Oh no, I was curious like what your impression of them was because like I, I saw a little bit about it, but I, I haven't followed the story as closely as I'm sure you have because this seems much more up your alley. And 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 as you go through these characters, Mark, I kind of want to hear your thoughts on how they stack up against um, the the pillar series of books and characters in the old expanded universe like new Jedi order. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, I mean, right, right out the bat, this Avar Chris character of Avar, I believe is her Mm -hmm. name. She reminds me of Naomi Sunrider, just in general, you know, looks and stuff. Uh, she's the brightest, most noble example of Jedi hood. They say she's always tries to see the good in people and situation and never puts herself first. Uh, she's invigorated about life on the frontier and the challenges it brings, which I think that's cool. You know, they talk about it as the frontier, you know, keep in mind, this is not the galaxy that we know, right? Like this is a much smaller galaxy. You know, the planets and stuff that we've been to on the clone wars now are planets that are still potentially unknown. I think that's kind of cool. She's compassionate, not dogmatic and always ready to sacrifice herself for others. She is the best of the best. Um, and one of the themes about all these characters is like, there's a very white robe and gold, like, you know, the nobility of the gold and stuff. I think that's kind of cool. Um, now this one, Loden great storm reminds me of a couple different characters from the tales of the Jedi story. And I can't remember the name of the one guy too. He was a, a Twi'lek and he rode on this really cool looking dragon type thing, man. It was one of my favorite characters from that story. And I can't even remember his name. Um, I want to say it was like Toth or something, but mm. I'm thinking I've been watching too much Avatar while I've been quarantined. <laughs> but Loden is a Twi'lek Jedi master and is considered to be one of the best teachers in the Jedi order. Strong and wise and a good sense of humor, Loden looks at every moment as a learning experience, always trying to better himself and those around him, especially his Padawans. I mean, that might as well be my character from Dungeons and Dragons right there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this character is one that I, I I like this character, but I have a feeling this character is going to probably die. Like, he just sounds too good to be true. Keeve Trennis. Keeve is a young firebrand Jedi believing uh, believed to be the great future ahead of her if she could only believe in herself quick-witted and more impulsive than she should be cleave is the has only been a jedi knight for a few weeks and is a little starstruck around avar knowing many of the great things that chris has done in the past she's determined to prove herself to avar and the other legendary jedi stationed at starlight beacon uh and and apparently the big events that are happening in soul's book is going to be taking place with this starlight beacon space station or jedi station or whatever it is um so that's you know it's it's interesting because like I immediately thought of, you know, when they told you about all this stuff and the way that they talk about the frontier and, and stuff, y- you think about tales of the Jedi and how you had the watchmen. There were different watchmen for each area of the universe uh, or the galaxy that, you know, this one Jedi would have that. And he trained so many Padawans over in this area and they would be doing their thing and stuff. And then they talk about this event and I kept I immediately started thinking, you know, like what's one thing that would definitely slow things down and change things when you're only 200 years away from being where you're at on the galactic map and knowing about all the planets that, you know, in the current star Wars and it's light speed. So with these things all tying into stuff, it's it's going to be the big story. And there were a lot of people that were curious about, you know, the movies that were coming out in 2022, 2024, 2026. And they've said these will tie in in no way with those. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't be hopeful that down the road maybe we'll get a story eventually set in this era because I think that they're building mm. something here. And I think that the success of this is going to determine whether or not they do like they did in Legends and tell stories set in other eras. Because when they went back to Tales of the Jedi, 
They eventually even went far off into the future with Legacy, which was set 140 which years later. Which I loved, later, by the way. Great grandson. Legacy, uh, some of my favorite storytelling of the EU era. Loved it. Loved it. Right. And, I, and the amount of freedom that they're allowed by going both back in the past and in the future is great. I mean, the, the downside about only going back 200 years is like you can't wipe out a planet and then have the planet show up again like you remember. Like you could, in theory, go back 2,500,000 years in the past, set a story on Alderaan, have it be the, you know, a planet that the Sith take over and they make this massive Sith, you know, society like Coruscant on, and then it gets wiped out by the Jedi. So much so that what you see, in, you know, later is just the unkept world that's slowly grew mm. back you know i mean you could do that with a bigger time frame but i think that is cool though that they're going back in this aspect because they could always go back even farther and like i said with the sith there's still a lot of things about the nature of the force that they haven't really touched on that they can and this story does promise that something about this threat will be a threat to the force itself so I mean, if there are no Sith out there, I'm curious who the Darksider is going to be. I mean, they, I know that there's the talk of that group of people called the Nihil or something like that, or the Nihil. Um, you know, definitely reminds me of KOTOR with uh, Darth Nihil and, you know, what he was doing and what he was about and the Sith back then during uh, KOTOR 2 when the Sith almost wiped the Jedi out. So, I mean, there's a lot of premise here, but the fact that they're working so hard to do the marketing and to do the cross format like that that's something that we, me and nathan were talking about you know year in reviews and we're talking about books the books that stand out are the ones that have an event or feel like they matter and a lot of the new disney books a lot of them just they're they're more character development which works but there's just nothing big going on outside of that unless it was a key character to the saga films there wasn't anything else to latch onto. So I'm hoping for fans like myself that have been like, you know, striving for something that they missed in their books, that this is going to be what, what kicks it up a notch and gets you to that. Mm -hmm. The Marty McFly 88, as it were. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, so, and, and I think we hit all the, I think we missed, what, what were the last two characters? Uh, uh, it was, uh, what key? Oh, the last two, we had or last two. Stellan, Stellan Geos was uh -huh. one. We had left off at Keeve Trennis. Yeah. And then uh, Stellian Gaios looks like he's like either a main main male character or the second tier Looks character. like Christopher and Reeves I think by as his a Jedi. Description, <laughs> yeah. He's gonna be a he's gonna be a sidekick. Yeah. He's optimistic and well respected Jedi Master. Stellan came up through the Jedi Order with Avar Chris. And although they were often on different assignments for the Jedi or the Republic, when the two work together, they are a powerhouse team of two noble heroes in action. Strong in the Force and a natural teacher, Stellan is currently stationed at the at one of the Jedi Temple outposts in the distant planet of Kargan Viner. Um, and then this one she's probably going to be my favorite is uh vernestra Vern Rowe. um and i like the fact that her name is kind of like it almost is like vernestra kai from uh legends she was a, a sith that yeah little ben solo or no ben skywalker had like a little love affair that a lot of legends fans were like that's who he got with and that's cole's uh mom or great grandma but we never found that out because those stories were never told but we're not talking about that we're talking about Vern, and Vern is a newly minted jedi knight uh she is a padawan to stellan gaios she's worked hard and is devoted to the jedi order more so than most others at her age at 16 she's one of the youngest jedi knights in a generation she struggles to fit in with the adults while also setting a good example for the young jedi and i think that i think that hers is definitely going to probably be all your young adventure 
uh, your young kid books, stuff like that. Your, uh, oh, what's that other comic series out there? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I- IDW? IDW? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I could I could see that being where this character ends up in comics. I mean, I'm 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 hoping that we will see all these characters show up in some form or fashion in the other stories. Um, that was one of the definite things about the New Jedi Order that rocked the most. Like you'd be following Jaina Solo, and then all of a sudden Jaina Solo's with Rogue Squadron, and there's Gavin Darklighter and the rest of the Rogues. And you're like, oh my god, it's they're all here. Oh wait, Wraith Squadron's here too. Oh, like. It's just the who's who type of thing that made those books so good. And I think that if they play this well, and if they do something very similar, they can really work with these casts in a way that is going to be great for the readers. Um, You know, there was one of these articles, too, that was talking about that. One of the writers was talking about how she was looking forward to playing with these characters and coming back and working with them over and over again. Uh, I think it might have been Claudia Gray. Uh, Claudia Gray, who will pin into dark hopes that this is just the start of something even bigger. I'm really loving the characters that I'm getting to play with, she says, and I hope that I'm going to be able to follow these characters longer and spend more time with them. She's also thrilled to see that the magic unfold through the array of new stories, a project that will take together will tell an all-new tale of the Star Wars lore. The biggest challenge has been working through all the good ideas to find the ones that were actually going to stick. They all need to harmonize. And I think that that too was one of the cool things that when they showed that first video, the one that you and Bruce were talking about, so many people stopped on the idea boards. <laughs> like, oh, there yeah. were so many zoomed in mm. shots. <laughs> they were like, yeah. what an actual ending. Like, well, that was one of my favorites. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> See, I love that. Well, but here's the, yeah. And it's interesting because as you go through the characters, I like the idea of the High Republic. But so far, none of the characters seem to be that interesting to me because we don't know anything about their motivation, what makes them tick. And, and of, course, right. of course, we don't haven't read the books yet or anything, but like, I think of like my first glimpse at um, like the, the characters for the Guardians of the Galaxy, which I'd never heard of before or seen anything about. You instantly sort of know uh, Gamora's uh, in conflict with her sister. And you see that in the, even in the trailers, you kind of see that that's her primary character motivation and stories the differences and similarities and conflict with her sister in the same way, um, you know, uh, big blue dude. Why am I, why is my brain not working? Um, Drax, <laughs> Drax, the destroyer. Be like, you know, his, his motivation is, is the loss of his wife and, and daughter and, and wanting revenge on it. And rocket raccoon, um, machine versus man, only not man, you know, they each sort of have their core, right. you know, uh, even uh, star Lord, Basically, uh, the the loss of his mother has made him who he is, and you sort of these very sort of understandable human moments that make you be able to connect to the character. And so far, I'm not seeing that in the um, well, High I Republic. Think why? Why though? Hmm? It's it's because of what we're missing is conflict, right? Yes. I mean, every one of those things that you're talking about is is a result of conflict. And right now, they're saving that for Soul's book. Whatever happens in Soul's book is the kickoff. I mean, because we don't have any real villains aside from the group of the Nil themselves. And they're and they're more like space pirates or Vikings, I believe is what they were called. But that's, I think that, that when that launches, I think we're going to see what motivates them. Because you're right. I mean, they're, they're very basic descriptions. I think the, of all of these, aside from Trennis, who is trying to, you know, prove herself to everyone and in a sense even Vern Vern's just trying to prove herself as as so young 
Uh, aside from them, there is nobody else that really has that kind of a feel because there's no conflict. Yes. Well, and that's the thing. So, and maybe that conflicts there, but I think what really just, and it's the first one in the article, but the, the, the visual depiction and the, uh, little blurb describing Avar Chris is just not appealing to me. And, and I'll tell you why. So as you get through, it's the literally, and I know you read it earlier, but with this context, I want to reread this. Ready? Last thing. Um, she is invigorated about life on the frontier and the challenges it brings and is an inspiration for those who work with her. She's compassionate, not dogmatic, and always ready to sacrifice herself over others. I think they mean for others. Um, or sacrifice herself over in preference of other. Okay, I see. It's a little awkwardly worded. And then finally, Avar Chris is the best of the best. She's the best. And I'm like, I don't know anything about what motivates her or anything about her story. And sure, I'd like to know that, but I would like that. This is your moment to introduce these characters. And 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 honestly, this is probably how you do it: is um introduce the characters through a video talking to the creators, talking about giving us a better picture of what motivates them and a little bit about their story that is intriguing, that, that piques your interest. Because let, um, let me jump to a different, um, uh, a different uh, character description. A rogue bounty hunter long suppressing his one-time force sensitivity as he abandoned and gave up on his Jedi training as a Padawan and has since been lost in the world of the criminal underworld and uh, is confronted by his past in the form of Luke Skywalker, challenging him to face his addictions and his shortcomings um, and embrace what it means to be noble instead of um, selfish and involved only in life's, you know, you know, is self-indulgent adventures as mm -hmm. a bounty hunter. That's Cade Skywalker from Legacy. Right. That's a way more fascinating. Like just saying that, that's, that's off the top of my head. But if you're pitching a new character, I'm like, oh, I want to read that story. Well, well and, and 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 keeping it on the focus on Cade. When they did launch that series, they put out two zero issues, which were similar to this, where it was like, you know, here's the characters and small little blurbs about why you care for them, and, and they did what you're suggesting. The, I think the main difference here is this right now is still concept art, right? They're yeah. just showing us the concept art. This was when they, when they announced Project Luminous, but I think that we are going to get there, and I think that we probably would have found out about this at Celebration. They mm. probably would have had a reel like that, uh, because you're also, at that point, you're right in the month that they're about to launch the book. Yeah. So they'll probably feel a little bit more comfortable about telling you what more of that conflict is going to look like because they're being super vague right now. Yes. Because um, this is like the wet your whistle. This is that teaser trailer. But I think you're 100% right. I think you need to have that buy-in, you know, like with Kanan, you know, when they, mm -hmm. when they showed us for Rebels and we had that and we're like, yeah. he's got a secret. You're like, oh, shoot. <laughs> you know, so I, I think that that's what we're going to see with the next one. At least I would hope that before they actually start putting out the comics, that that's something they do. Mm. Uh, because like I think about with Legacy, they had those, you know, the zero and zero and a half, and one was mostly characters, and the other one was locations, setting up the idea of what the galaxy looks like right now. Because just like this one, 
That one was set 140 years in the future. This one's set 200 in the past. They're about the same time. There's a lot of changes that can still happen, even though I was complaining about it being a shorter time and it could have been longer. There's still a lot that can change in that short period of time, and there's a different status quo than what we're used to. So, I mean, there, you know, you also have to set that up as well. I mean, just to say that the Jedi were at the height of their power is one thing, but what does that mean? Because we saw the Jedi at the height of what we thought was their power, but it was actually at the, you know, the bottom of their hubris. Like, you know, we saw, we thought Yoda was this awesome guy, and turns out Yoda actually was holding the Jedi back in a lot of ways. And the more we find out about that, the less it looks good for Yoda. Like, <laughs> so they also have to kind of establish to us what exactly it means to be a Jedi and what it means to be the best of the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. I, and, and so I, I hope that we um, get some get. And and I think there's another element I think of why legacy means so much to me and why I love it, or even the. Um, uh, the Knights of the Old Republic story as it plays out, as you think about these other eras in Star Wars sto- storytelling historically, is they all have those Joseph Campbell elements of the hero's journey, of a moment of discovery, of embracing your true potential, of facing your facing your dragons and entering the cave or blowing up the Death Star. These big like story elements that Star Wars has borrowed and and executed brilliantly on for decades in the in the film universe and i think when the the books and comics do that that's when they are at their best and that's where they i'll, I'll use two quick uh, this will be the last things i say and i promise mark <laughs> uh, because i know we've gone on about it a long time here but it, it it is intriguing to see this and i and i honestly hope i'm wrong but i i don't currently have the faith that they're going to embrace a more impactful hero's journey style of Star Wars storytelling um, that has an impact and, and, you know, not, not quote unquote matters in the terms of galactic events, but honestly that just has characters that you connect with that there's a message to the story. Um, perfect example of how that's done poorly. Um, the Star Wars galaxy's edge comic. I got the trade paperback, read it, and it's a series of short stories that involve the denizens of B- Batu uh, and Hondo going on a series of smuggling adventures, and and that's what it is. It's like it's it's pop, but it's it's so obviously just material that was sort of ham-fistedly tied together to bring in characters that were designed for the park, Doc Ondar. Um, etc in a way that doesn't really there's there's no message to it there's no there's no there's no moment of discovery there's no leaving the moisture farm facing your fears you know these core elements of storytelling that are definitely the presence in what i will tell you is what i think is the best piece of fictional storytelling uh in the current era of star wars and that's the vader comic uh, specifically fortress vader um, as it is, it's an in-depth character analysis of Anakin Skywalker, AKA Darth Vader facing who he has become as Darth Vader in the form. And this, the last right. issue of that trade is the famous one where it, it's literally him cr- kind of crossing the threshold of the force through, you know, what would, what would be Vader's fortress and his vision that kind of confronts who Darth Vader has become in a vision form. And like, there that's impactful that's thought provoking and and that's and that's tragic in in a lot of ways and it brilliantly fits into the to the films of course but also it stands on its own as a 
a, a moment of tragedy as, as Vader faces the, the loss and, and that contributes to the evil that he has become. Um, like that's mm-hmm. a, that's, that's, that's star Wars to me. Like if you're asking me. And so that's what I would hope that we get. And I'm just not seeing that so far in high Republic. Right. That, and that's where I, I just, I keep wondering what the conflict is because like I said, they, they talk about it having effects on the force and I'm thinking, you know, mm. could you just imagine yeah. in a, in an opposite of what happened with the Vong where what if it's something where the Jedi start losing their connection to the Force and it's all about how can they keep that? How you know, how do they keep the balance? And the balance becomes something that they have to attain. Or, you know, they, yep. mm-hmm. there's just so many directions they could go with that. But I, I you're right, when you think about the journey to books, right? And all the characters they brought up in that that weren't even there. You're like, what was the point? Like, yeah, it's so I, I'm glad that they're paying attention to and that. And I will say this. And they, I, and I'm, they have uh, they have more opportunity to have that uh, hero's journey style of storytelling that I love in Star Wars. They, because of this being new characters, because of it being in a new area, I actually think there's more opportunity for that than what Disney has really kind of leaned on, and that is tie-in material, whether it's Rebel Rising or right. Most Wanted for the Solo movie or the Journey 2 series. Like A lot of that material... Uh, is is tie-in material and that's exactly what it is and it's harder i think to have that kind of impact when that's the case so i don't know i i think that's a pretty good summary of where i am now and i'm and i'm waiting i'm hoping uh i'm hoping i'm wrong We'll, we'll put it that way right because if if they do drop the ball with the fans on this one it's gonna be really hard for them to get people to want to buy in again because the journey to books especially i i stopped after the first one you know, yeah. I, I was like, "Ooh, got to get them all. They all tie in." And I was just like, "What? These don't tie in at all. This mm. is no, yeah, no." You know, it's burned me twice, kind of thing. But it, that's the one sad thing, and and a good thing at the same time. They've had lots of opportunity. Disney has had plenty mm. of opportunity. Yeah. Unfortunately, they've gotten really good at missing a lot of opportunities. <laughs> well, yeah, that's. I mean. I can't argue with you. Yeah. Um, and that's why, like, honestly, a lot of the hits I think have come from the, even though I was using a bad and good example from the comics, um, uh, I just happened to have them out because uh, we were talking about Star Wars storytelling in the pre-show. So, and the comics industry. So it just reminded me of that, but you know what? I think we've, uh, we've beaten the dead horse there, Mark enough. I, it'll yeah. be interesting to see where it comes. We'll actually start, you know, maybe getting more in depth on some of the stuff as the series actually debuts. Well, who knows if it does debut this summer as it's scheduled to, um, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll be, we'll check, be checking back in with you and you can be my guinea pig and tell me uh, which of the two categories these stories are falling more into. And uh, we'll go from right. there. But you know what? Uh, let's do it. It's time for Boba's Bounty. Oh, worth a lot to me. As you wish. You guys know it. Uh, Boba's Bounty is when we talk about something we've been experiencing in the world of Star Wars. Oh, you know, I'll kick us off. Um, it's been like another big Star Wars week. I've already talked a lot about you know building the new studio, which, by the way, we still need a name for it. StarWarsReport at gmail.com with your ideas. Um, and um, I don't, I, I'm trying to remember. What was the, Oh, video games. Of course, that's a big thing. Um, but, Mark, I got to tell you, my biggest like new Star Wars thing this week has been the audiobook of I am C3PO. 
human cyborg nice. relations. Uh, Anthony Daniels autobiography. I I got it on the old Audible, narrated by Anthony himself. Good. Uh, that was gonna be my question. I was burning with desire. I'm like, he's, I got it now. I mean, a lot of a lot of audiobooks performers suck. Anthony Daniels is amazing, and and has a lot of character. I love, so here's a little sample. It's what it sounds like. It's a celebration. Dan Manson would never brag about his achievements, so I will boast on his behalf. Against a series of formidable, unfathomable odds, he created a miraculous event that bolstered the spirit of everyone there. Regrettably, he was left to wring out the pieces by himself as the marquees were dismantled and the flooded fields began to heal. But he had started a tradition. Celebrations seem to come along like buses now. In Japan, in Europe, in America... Wherever it's held, celebration brings fans together in a growing family of friends and like-minded individuals. Uh oh, it's too soon, too soon, Anthony. Um, <laughs> so, but that was his. That was his. Uh, that's his chapter about how he started as a host at Celebration when Dan Manson planned the original one, and he kind of it. It reads so. Here's the thing about it: it reads like a a diary more than it does an autobiography. And for something that says the inside story. It's not it's not a sort of confessional that gets into anything juicy behind the scenes. Like it doesn't talk right. so you know it doesn't really talk about any of um his his beef with Kenny Baker or you know and but, there I was running around the set with Carrie Fisher's bra running around no, no. twirling it going you never catch me lady. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and that's the thing is the um the the thing about it is it's very much about Anthony Daniels and Anthony Daniels and his relationship with 3PO the character and i think some of the best drama of it are his he talks all about being probably the most spicy it gets is where he talks about his feeling of being left out of he was left out of all the marketing and um and any kind of public appearances for the first film as it became a huge success and catapulted everyone into stardom, except for he was pretty well left out because Lucasfilm at the time um, had the idea that, oh, they need to preserve the idea that C-3PO is an actual robot. So he'd put, right. sort of poured his creativity into creating this territory. And, and you really do get a sense of the protective ownership that Anthony Daniels ha- feels for C-3PO. And and that's that that's where the best stuff comes uh, to play. Sounds so I absolutely loved it. Um, it's not like I say. It's it, it it's a lot of sort of snippets of him telling a basically series of stories um, or excerpts of a diary essentially through the years of uh, it, and it, it, and it's linear. But like there's some sections that are like in audiobook form, a 15 minute chapter, and then there's a three minute chapter. Like it's just little snippets. Um, through the production, but I'm learning a few, I'm learning a bunch of tidbits that I didn't know or details from a different perspective that I'd never heard before. So for you, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast as a star Wars fan, I highly recommend the book and I highly recommend the audiobook precisely because it's Anthony Daniels, uh, reading it. So, uh, Mr. Holloman. Well, you remember the Empire Strikes Back, that deleted scene where uh, C-3PO walks up and he grabs that yellow sign off the uh, wall yeah. and he pulls it down. He talks about it in the book, yeah. Yeah, and in that moment, he released the Wampa from quarantine. 
that, that, that's how I feel. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I got excited because uh, before all the quarantine stuff went down, one of my good friends had uh, got me something from up in Portland that I couldn't find down at the southern end of the state, and that was one Black Series General Kenobi. Ooh. And hot damn, is that a beautiful figure? I am telling you, my, my man, God. the likeness of Ewan McGregor mm, in I'm that look- figure. Oh, dude, I'm looking at it now. It looks, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It is. The only downside is that uh, one of the joints in the left arm, the two elbow joints, is like it's, the peg is a little smaller than the hole. So the arm almost came out when I was uh, working the joints because you got to work the joints. That's the thing, guys. If you if you do not know about working the joints on your action figures, let me be the first to tell you. You got to work those joints so that way you can get into that low hip movement, that, that <laughs> raised upper hand slash. And if you don't work them, then you're going to go and, and they're going to just rip through the plastic. But that's the downside, too, is as you're working them, you run that risk anyway. Uh, so, yeah, you got to be careful with that. He is definitely a, a more fragile one of the ones because, I mean, honestly, the clones and the Mandalorians, the, uh, the you know, the Fets and the uh, and the the Din. Mm-hmm. What's yep. his last name? Uh, Dinjarin. Dinjarin. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so those Mandalorian figures, and even Sabine, like you know, they they've got some pretty good movement to them. But yeah, Kenobi's not as strong when it comes to the arms. So, uh, you know, I'm definitely loving the figure. I've got him set up with all the rest of my clones. I got him with Rex and Cody and all them. Um, but man, he's he's just a beautiful figure. And what's cool about it is like. It's a figure that kind of it's a kind of an EU figure. I mean, the the armor that he's wearing was kind of uh, romanticized in a sense from uh, uh, the te- the Gendi mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Clone Wars. Um, that's one like I've got that Clone Wars uh, uh, figure in the in the actual Gendi style as well as the three point seven five Black Series version of this figure when they did it. Although this one versus that other one. The other one, he's got the long hair from the other one. This one, his hair is actually episode three accurate. So it's kind of, you know, there's a give and take as to if you want to call it a Legends figure. Because, uh, you know, technically he did wear clone armor, I'm sure, at some point. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it's just a glorious figure. And then I I, uh, got my money down on a Bly. Um, Ah. I tell you, man, the clones are definitely my favorite. The armored troopers um, are definitely the best of the black series figures out there in my collection <laughs> mm, yeah that's fair that's awesome man i i'll tell you what i um my i have a i don't really have much of a collecting bucket list i'm, I'm not an action figure guy as you know but there the one figure that i've that is on my bucket list is the obi-wan mythos figure from sideshow oh, that's gonna oh, be my glory uh i mean i'm looking at it now oh and I, man i think i might I might snag that sucker at some point. Like Obi-Wan, Kenobi, I don't talk about it on the show that much. Obi-Wan um, Kenobi is my favorite Star Wars character. Um, and, uh, and that figure has the health again now, right? Yeah, no, it's up. They, they It is up and available on the side. Sh- I was literally looking at it while you were talking. I'm just kind of drooling over the... Because I remember at one point, they, they the lightsabers that came with him, they removed. For a while, you couldn't get it with the lightsabers, mm. and I can't remember why. And then, it, and then when I saw it back for sale, I was like, "Oh, the lightsabers are back!" I got all excited. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of there's some pretty solid stuff like uh, like sideshow. I mean, I just love sideshow. They have the um, 
like full size Mandalorian de- uh, death skull that you can like mount on your wall. <laughs> you can get that on site too. Nice. But that's not that's not what my Boba's bounty. I'm I'm sticking to it. Uh, I am C three PO. Which all the way I should mention if you want to get it for free, uh, we do have an Audible link. We don't talk about it often enough. But if you sign up through audibletrial.com slash Star Wars Report, audibletrial.com slash Star Wars Report, you can get uh, an audiobook for free. So you could snag uh, I am C three PO, and you can even keep it. But uh, we know that you're going to want to stick around. Uh, because Audible has an, uh, a whole host of uh, Star Wars books. I also used to credit to get the uh, Rise of Skywalker novelization. That'll probably be what I dig into next. So uh, nice. that, Mr. Mark Hurlman, I think, is going to do it for this episode of the Star Wars Report podcast. Not to go home. Mm-hmm. Mr. Hurlman, let, uh, let the people know where they can find you. You know me, Logical Rogue 2, although uh, on Xbox I'm Rogue Jedi 2222 because oh. uh, I couldn't get a Logical Rogue 2 anymore. It's too many characters. What about um, PS4? You got a... You got yeah, a, yeah, I'm so, a Logical Rogue 2 there. I might uh, hit you up one of these. Uh, day. Uh, jump, do you have Battlefront 2? You got a... I, so, so the problem I'm having is I've got to upgrade my memory core. My son's got too many Dang. Call of Duty games. Oh so my all gosh. my games got Just deleted kick, to make room. Kick that boy yeah. out of the... Yeah. My gosh, my gosh. Unsatisfactory. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, so uh, Logical Rogue 2, of course, on Twitter and Instagram. I, you can find me at the Riley Guy, R-I-L-E-Y, uh, on Instagram, Twitter, uh, all the places, Snapchat. Um, and, uh, hey, big shout out and thank you to everybody supporting the program directly on Patreon. Um, available this week in the last seven days, three episodes of Rogue Transmissions available for five bucks a month. Um, actually, not even that. Uh, uh, we have two new Rogue Transmissions, but I finally had time to sit down and start catching up on recording my Patreon-exclusive Clone Wars commentary episodes for Season 7. I'll be quickly catching up, dropping those multiple times throughout the week as we get ready to hit up Siege of Mandalore. Uh, and we'll be dropping those 22-minute commentaries right there in the Patreon feed. You can check it out, patreon.com slash Star Wars Report. Those Clone Wars commentaries are available for uh, supporters at every level. Uh, same thing for the uh, Facebook chat that I mentioned earlier. You can join at any level, and you can jump in on our Patreon Facebook chat and support the show. Uh, and we do appreciate each of you guys who are doing that. So check it out, patreon.com slash Star Wars Report. Uh, leave us some feedback. You can do so. Leave us an iTunes review, starwarsreport.com slash iTunes, uh, or just right there in the Apple Podcasts app. We'll uh, take you right to the uh, Star Wars Report podcast. Super easy. You can just search Star Wars wherever uh, podcasts are listed, and you can find us. Leave us a rating review. It helps. And then, of course, email us, starwarsreport at gmail.com, starwarsreport at gmail.com, uh, to have your voice on the show. Uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode of the Star Wars Report. Man, until next time, let me just say, may the Force be with you, and remember, many Bothans died to bring you this podcast.
So, uh, dude, when are you going to Crescent City? <laughs> oh, yeah. I know that. In fact, uh, we were going to be going in April. Oh, yeah? <laughs> we were going to be doing a coastal camp out. Oh, no, dude. I'm like, ah, guys. Dude, next time you do it, seriously, oh. I will send, look it up. I'll make, I, I, if you head that way, I will literally look up for you the places that you need to go to find that Return of the Jedi deer butt and the, the Ewok okay. rock. That'd be fun. Get some pictures yeah. there, post it on the Facebook or something. That'd be fun. Yeah. Dude, and honestly, my wife likes to go to the coast enough that I'm sure I could talk her into it one of these days when there the quarantine's you, lifted. Dude, yeah, like uh, leave the kids with the parents for a little bit, just a little trip out. There. That'd be great. Yeah, be a good time. Yeah. Hey, man. Well, I will. Uh, I'll be. I'll uh, post this shortly. I'll be editing it tonight. I'm on night, so I'll be staying up for a little.